listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hello, this is Dr. Glenn for the My Pet Podcast. Uh, today I want to talk about Cushing's disease. Uh, Cushing's disease or hyperadrenocorticism is a disease of uh, the body producing too much cortisone. Cortisone is a natural uh, product that's produced in the body uh, by the adrenal glands, two little glands near to the kidneys in um, every animal basically. It's mostly seen as a problem in dogs, um, sometimes cats and sometimes horses, but pretty much today's discussion is about dog hyperadrenocorticism or Cushing's disease. It is um, a pretty major problem in middle-aged to older-aged dogs that we see quite commonly. Um, It's got a common syndrome of uh, symptoms and a couple of different causes which we will discuss and what can we actually do about it. So look, Cushing's disease, um, named after Dr. Cushing's who first recognised the syndrome and it is a disease, but we talk about Cushing's uh, disease syndrome because there's a couple of causes that all end up looking the same. Essentially, the first symptoms that a lot of people pick up on in their aging dog is a dog that just appears to be aging faster than normal. They sort of lose muscle mass, um, sometimes get a pot-bellied effect because the abdominal muscles aren't as strong as they used to be. Um, dog just sort of looks like it gets old um, fairly quickly. The, the skin can thin, and particularly underneath the belly, um, we see it more commonly in small breed dogs, it seems, uh, particularly your um, Maltese and Shih Tzu and terrier style dogs certainly some dash hounds but but we see more commonly in um, small breed dogs is that just because small breed dogs tend to last um, longer and, and on average have longer lifespans and medium to um, large breed dogs there is a a family um, predisposition like a genetic predisposition there somewhere that at some stage down the track will probably isolate the specific genes involved that um, that are complicating problems but but certainly um, smaller breed dogs seem to be uh, more greatly affected. Uh, we can split the problem up into two um, main uh, causes um, and that's uh, a tumour or an, a benign growth uh, of the pituitary gland usually. So the pituitary gland is a little, small little um, gland at the base of the skull that produces ACTH, which is the hormone that tells the adrenal glands, which are the little glands um, right down next to the kidneys in the abdomen to make cortisone as well as um, other hormonal pathways within the body. So if you've got a growth on the pituitary gland uh, overstimulating the adrenal glands, the adrenal glands will produce excess cortisone. And the other main cause is if you've got a benign or sometimes malignant tumour of one of the adrenal glands down by the kidney. So um, that tumour in the adrenal gland is is acting independently of the pituitary gland. So um, you can also get a a Cushing's disease syndrome from... um, administering or just giving too much uh, oral or injectable cortisone to pets and cortisone fortunately gets used a lot less as a medical treatment these days than it used to because we've got other um, better uh, less side effects options for um, diseases of allergy or autoimmune disease uh, in the system which is the main things that we we used to use cortisone for quite routinely but there's still lots of dogs running around out there that have had reasonable amounts of um, injectable or oral cortisone or even if you're using a cortisone based cream uh, often enough in a large enough volume on a large enough surface area a pet can absorb certainly quite a lot of cortisone into the system that way and, and it all ends up looking the same so 
Um, Symptoms-wise, you will see uh, usually an increase in appetite in a pet that um, used to eat you know, a moderate amount and be satiated um, or happy to eat you know, the food that you gave it all of a sudden is, is wanting to break into the cupboard and eat all sorts of things that it never used to eat. Um, usually a corresponding increase in water consumption as well um, and an increase in urine output because if there's more water going in one end, uh, it's got to come out the other end. Uh, a lot of pets um, will become just again lethargic and, and um, have an exercise intolerance. They'll be uh, able to um, breathe less efficiently they seem to get a bit panty um, and the uh, the breathing is more rapid um, and more labored at a similar amount of exercise compared to what they used to do uh, and just leaning off muscle wise as well you'll you'll just see less muscle tone and less muscle mass in general and definitely they just um get an exercise intolerance they can't just run around and don't want to run them out as much as they used to and the the coat the hair quality tends to decrease as well so you're sending tend to get a thinning of the the hair coat itself um sometimes is a symmetrical sort of pattern of um hair loss less so on the belly and and sort of down the sides and maybe a little bit longer on the back uh but, but certainly not um not itchy necessarily they can get be more prone to skin infections because cortisone in higher amounts in the system has a an anti-inflammatory effect but it also has an immune suppressing suppress uh, immune suppressing effect so you will get um, a predisposition to skin infections sometimes urinary tract infections and um, and the thinning of the actual skin itself particularly on the already sort of relatively thin skin down on the belly between the back legs um, and it becomes quite fragile and uh, and a bit more prone to to do injury as well so you just get these old dogs that look yeah pot-bellied thin hair um a little bit bloated looking and um, the belly just sticks out more because uh, often the liver gets enlarged because they get a bit of fatty liver disease. Um, pets are certainly more prone to things like pancreatitis, which is a, certainly an issue um, further down the track if the disease is allowed to, to hang around for any sort of length of time. So uh, it can cause not just cosmetic problems, it, it affects their way of life if they're getting up at all times of night to go for a pee when they never used to um, and drinking lots of water and ravenously hungry all the time and, and more and prone to uh, infections and pancreatitis it, it certainly is a, a significant health problem so uh, diagnostically um, we see these pets with these sometimes fairly insidious symptoms and sometimes it becomes more and more obvious that there's a, a you know a, a significant problem going on your vet will usually start with um, a routine blood panel to check just general organ system function kidneys and livers and and white blood cell count, red blood cell count that sort of thing um, you'll tend to see uh, an increase in one of the liver enzymes quite significantly because the, the liver um, cells are getting damaged by this increased cortisone level uh, and they will, along with the symptoms, give an index of suspicion as to what's going on. And then there's a couple of specific tests that you can do, blood tests um, involving uh, stimulating the uh, adrenal glands to see how they respond to, to can they produce um, more cortisone than what they're normally being asked to produce um, and what's the baseline levels uh, of cortisone getting produced in the body so there's two tests an ACTH stim test and a low dose dexamethasone suppression test and a lot of vets will do um, one or both of those tests as a, as a workup for Cushing's disease 
And look, it's always a good idea um, to do some uh, abdominal ultrasound, some imaging of the actual adrenal glands as well, just to try and um, decide between, okay, have we got a, a, a pituitary growth going on? So a little lesion on the base of the brain, which responds quite well to medication. And uh, have we got a, a growth of one of the adrenal glands, which you'll pick up um, both on indicators on the testing, uh, but also on ultrasound if you physically see that there's a mass, that there's a lump on the adrenal gland. They're the ones that don't tend to respond to medication particularly well, and they're the ones that can actually spread elsewhere in the body at times um, as, as far as um, lots of tumours can do. And if we can uh, remove surgically that uh, adrenal tumour, well, that can actually be curative and, and get rid of the problem and the, and the other adrenal gland picks up the slack and goes back to a, a normal um, amount of cortisone production. So, yeah, really important, A, to get a diagnosis in the first place and B, a good treatment plan as to what's going on. You don't need to treat every dog that's got Cushing's syndrome symptoms, um, and, and especially initially at the start, because the treatment, it's not without cost and it's not without potential side effects, because the cortisone pathway, it is, um, it's a bit of a balancing act. Uh, dogs with Cushing's disease have got too much cortisone in the system. Uh, if you reduce the amount of cortisone production um, through medication or, or through surgical intervention um, to be too low, well, then you've got um, other problems through the body's not producing enough cortisone and it then affects uh, electrolyte metabolism and, and you can end up with um, you know, potentially fatal syndromes if you if suppress cortisone production too far so so treatment wise there's two main medications that we use um, in australia there's lysadrin and trilosane um, trilosane is the newer medication which is the main one that um, most vets are tending to move over to now it is um with less side effects basically um, on suppressing the uh, production of cortisone through those adrenal glands but it is important uh, to monitor these guys. Um, every dog is a little bit different on their uh, sensitivity to the medication and basically you start them off on a dose that should be the right amount and then there'll be some initially uh, repeat testing uh, of those blood tests involved with seeing uh, just what's the right level for the pet. But when you've got things adequately controlled, the symptoms of increased thirst and increased appetite, uh, thinning of the skin and muscle mass, uh, wastage, all those should basically return back to normal in a well-maintained, well-controlled um, Cushingoid dog, which is which is really the aim of the um, aim of the treatment protocol to try and uh, normalise their lives and, and leave them less prone to all those um, problems that the Cushing's disease causes and. Uh, look, predisposition to pancreatitis is certainly nothing to be um, shirked at um, and suppression of the immune system uh, is nothing to be shirked at as well. So if we can return these dogs to normal cortisone function, um, they certainly have a better quality of life um, and usually a better quantity of life as well. So main things to look out for is, you know, if you think your pet uh, is showing any of these um, initial, you know, fairly non-specific symptoms, but then um, the longer the disease goes for, uh, the more obvious that these symptoms become a lot of the time and, and because they come on quite slowly sometimes as a pet owner it's easy to um, sort of not overlook but um, things just happen progressively and, and not all at once and it's easy to be a fair way down the path of these problems before it becomes sort of noticeable uh, when a, a friend comes over and says oh gee Arthur's looking a bit um, bit skinny and a bit pot-bellied and think, oh yeah he's getting old well, it's, it may not necessarily be that so definitely yeah, check up from your vet uh, would be a good idea if any 
any of these symptoms start to occur because it is a, a controllable disease. Um, the testing regime um, is not cheap and the medication depending on the body weight of the dog um, it, it can add up as well but it, it is um, definitely beneficial for quality and quantity of life um, for your pet and that is the story on Cushing's disease thanks guys